0: but for airbnb for one weekend i could easily have made like 500 and if it's a festival weekend where places to stay were real tight for Lollapalooza, it's a big music festival here i know i made fifteen hundred dollars in one weekend i think maybe even maybe it was closer to two grand seventeen hundred dollars over two or three days
1: Yorn, welcome back to another episode of the Life Money You podcast here. Did you hear the story about the photon that checked into an Airbnb and the host asked why he didn't have any luggage? Well the photon said, No, I'm traveling light. Woo. <laughs> wow. My my airtime is really going to get cut down on these. I things. think we're going to have to work on those jokes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm not oh. sure that my kids would even get that one. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> like for that. for our science <laughs> aficionados, uh, I am definitely going to have to add a laugh track in here eventually. Because <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's going to get <laughs> yeah. very very quiet, very very soon. But uh, yeah, wow. so um, you know, I wanted to continue on the Airbnb conversation here. Yeah, well, I think you had actually a moment uh, opportunity here to talk with one of our teammates about uh, his Airbnb experience. So you want to just give us maybe a little bit of a preview of that conversation? Yeah, I actually did have a chance to sit down with Warren, uh, one of the gentlemen here on the Life Money U team. And one of the things I did not know is that he is pretty experienced in Airbnb and, you know, doing stuff like you and me, to help him on his pursuit of financial freedom. So I thought he had just a lot of really good lessons and experiences with Airbnb that could help a lot of people who are maybe thinking about it, kicking it around, but don't know where to start. So uh, it's a great conversation and without further ado, here it is. I have a special guest, hopefully someone that will be back many times, my colleague in the Life Money You program, Warren, and I want to thank you, Warren, for coming on with me here. And we were actually just recently talking, and I didn't know something about you, and I thought, man, we should dive into this a little bit more. Hi, Pete. Hi, everybody. First-time listener, <laughs> longtime
0: caller. I used to Airbnb, and just to give like everyone like a little a prelude, I wrote down my little journey. So I bought a house and knew I couldn't afford it. I bought it like right when I turned thirty, but I intentionally bought a second bedroom. Because when I was 30, I was traveling like 75% for work. And so I knew there was ample opportunity to rent the space out. So I decided to Airbnb. And so that is the answer to Pete's question. I used to Airbnb and I would absolutely do it again.
1: Let me start with this. Where do you live? Because obviously Airbnb is a little bit contingent upon having a place where people will go and want to rent, but you are in a fairly hot area, right? Yeah. So I live in the city of
0: Chicago. I live a little bit outside like the city center. I live just close enough to the action that you can get there easily on public transportation and quickly on public transportation. But I don't live like next to Wrigley Field necessarily. I live more like a mile from Wrigley Field which is where the
1: Cubs Still play, pretty close, if you did But for those who aren't sports fans, I'm from Detroit, so none of the Chicago teams really matter to me particularly. But go Tigers. But that puts you in an area where people are coming to. Chicago is always a destination for vacation and travel. And I wonder, you had this extra room. Why not just sublet it out long-term to a roommate?
0: Because I was 30 and I had just bought my first place and I wanted to have free time in my space when I wanted, I didn't want to always share a place. And to be honest, you've got to be a little bit nicer to roommates. (laughs) You know what I mean? If someone's staying with you in Airbnb, you don't really have to interact with them if you don't want to. So that'd be the answer to why.
1: Okay. That makes sense. If you just want a week or two or three to decompress yourself, have your own personal time, you've got the whole place to yourself because you've just closed off the Airbnb availability. From a financial standpoint, did that come into the equation when you were looking at what I can get for my Airbnb versus what I could collect from rent from a roommate? Or was that not a part of that picture at all? Or was the Airbnb potentially better than having someone there full-time? So taking one step back,
0: when I first started, my intention was to sometimes rent it out with me staying there and sometimes renting out the entire place and maybe the platforms mm. changed, but at that time, the platform wasn't set up to do that. So I actually set up two separate profiles in in terms of like the equation oh. of how I decided to do Airbnb over a roommate. I'm sure I did some kind of basic math like that, but I, to be honest, when I first moved into my place, like the, the neighborhood's always been fine, but it, it wasn't like popping where I could get a huge rent and Airbnb was blowing up before the pandemic. I had several friends, all buy like a bunch of extra places. They all bought like an extra place and started like Airbnb. Like it, it became really hot. Like I, I got in just at that right time where like people knew about Airbnb and were really using it. So there, there was a good business volume coming in, but there wasn't necessarily like a lot of competition. When I first started, you could put in very little effort, have a junkie room, still live in the place that you're renting out, like just rent out a single room and you'd still make decent money. I rent out my place now and I make as much now. Or maybe even a little less, renting out just my single room. Then all the way back then, when I was renting out, it was junky as heck. Like a, a stained comforter, like b- blinds that just had a tension run that were probably hanging at an angle. It was bare bones, and I was a smelly thirty-year-old guy. I'm still impressed how much money I made. So I, yes, that was part of the equation. But especially since I knew that sometimes I would be renting out the entire place, I knew I could make so much more because you can rent out a room for let's say seven hundred to a grand. In Chicago, like in in the area that I'm in, you could rent it out for roughly that range.
1: 700 to to over what time period?
0: Yeah, so that'd be, that's for an actual roommate, not Airbnb, but just you'd make 700 grand for roommate, over in one month and then you could still charge them utilities gotcha. on top of that but for Airbnb for one weekend I could easily have made like 500 and if it's a festival weekend where places stay were real tight for Lollapalooza it's a big music festival here I know I made $1,500 in one weekend I think maybe even maybe it was wow. closer to two grand $1,700 over two or three days and I think one year I might have done two grand even it was crazy
1: so it's not even close in that regard over a few days you can make two three times as much as you'd collect from rent, from someone being there all the time. That seems pretty easy. And then the flexibility on top of that. So it also sounds like when it was pretty junky, it was more just about a roof over your head, huh? It
0: was. And even when I was having a junky Airbnb, it served a certain clientele. It was more college students, more like people traveling on a shoestring or traveling a budget, but it was very seasonal. During the winter, you just didn't make as much money. During the winter, you don't see the same midweek reservations that you'd see
1: over summer. Gotcha. You also mentioned that you would rent the whole place out. How were you able to do that? How would you have somewhere else to go? Or what was the situation that allows you to rent an entire place? Yeah. And I I meant to say this at the beginning, but
0: then I forgot. So my whole arc for my making money off my housing is I bought a house I couldn't afford. I tried renting out just a room on Airbnb. Then I started renting out the entire place, which I'll get to now. And I actually built a door in the middle of my place to separate my condo into two separate living spaces. And then COVID happened. I ripped out the door and I just decided to get a roommate, but I was traveling 75% for work. So I was able to frequently rent out my place for a week or more And it just, it made it very easy to rent out the entire place. But I did Airbnb for maybe five years and I was dating someone for at least a portion of that. And so I I would even live with them sometimes, (laughs) or we would be planning to go on a vacation and I'd be like, Hey, if I rent out my place every weekend this month, like that'll make our money for our trip. Do you want to do that? And the answer was always yes.
1: Yeah. Income life experiences, you're using your real estate as a tool to get you those things that you want. That's pretty awesome. So is it maybe an opportunity more for people who travel a lot, the consultants that are on the road a lot, people who aren't home? I know that a lot of people who would take on roommates used to say that they would love getting flight attendants because they're always on the road and never around and still paying rent in their place. Or is the person that's still living there, is that a good opportunity for them too?
0: So I have an Airbnb since pre-pandemic, and nowadays I think that the market's changed where a lot of cities like added a lot more laws to, to make hotels more competitive, I would be the nice way to say it. And so that's put a squeeze on Airbnb, and Airbnbs flooded the market. Like A, a lot of people bought extra properties to Airbnb. I'll, I'll, more and more people just learned about it, and so they had a situation where they could rent out their space. They just started using it more, and so I think there's a lot more competition and It's harder to make enough money to make it worth your time to rent out just a room. Now, if you live next to like an attraction in a city, like I have a friend who lives next to Wrigley Field where the Cubs play, and they rent out just a room. And for some weekends, they can easily clear a grand. And Mm. I think the, the whole apartment is three grand a month. So they can make a third of rent just renting off one room while they still live there. in in that short amount of time. But they're literally across the street from where a a major league
1: baseball team plays. Gotcha. So someone's coming in for the weekend. They're going to take in a game or two. They want to be able to walk there, not take transportation, have the Wrigleyville experience, hit up the local house Yeah, there's all these bars
0: you can walk to. Like the place is immaculate. The place is beautiful. It's huge. Like the guy who runs it does catering even. So I think he might even throw in some extra frills. mm -hmm. And, And one other thing I'll quick touch on And we can talk about this later if you want to is once you establish a good rating and and enough reviews once you get that reputation built up it's just so easy especially if you set prices like far in advance you can really like really just learn how to play with the pricing and make
1: money gotcha seems like watching the calendar of events in your area is important too obviously lala is a huge event here in Chicago. And they do a lot of events, maybe not as many in the winter. I'm just thinking of like Taste of Chicago and the concerts in Millennium yep. Park. And between, there's a lot of Cubs games. Even in Wrigley Field, they do a lot of other events in Wrigley Field concerts. I know Northwestern did a football game down there. It seems if you really look at the calendar, you can price strategically to some of those things as well. Was that yeah. right?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, like cool. you, you really need to keep an eye because, like, there was one year that I just wasn't paying attention and I accidentally let people book Lollapalooza weekend for only like a few hundred bucks or a hundred a couple hundred bucks a night. And you even you can even learn how to play with the settings because I would always say my max was two people could stay. But unlike Lollapalooza weekend, I would maybe put it up to four and that way you could get like people to pay $500 for a night because you'd get like this group of four, probably college age kids. They'd like one would sleep on the couch, two would sleep on the bed. And then like, I'd put it like a blow up mattress or something for them. And it's just like those small little things that we can do that. One other like knack to make money is that people love like a gimmick to go to. So I-, I personally love plants. I covered my house with plants covered so that it just looked like a jungle. And then if you're a super host, which basically means that you get a certain number of stays and you keep a certain rating then back in the day, Airbnb used to give you incentives. And so my incentive that I used was I got a free photographer session. And so not only did I have all these Ooh. like plants to make my house cool, but Airbnb subsidized a photographer to come take like, Attractive pictures of my little personal jungle, and then I even changed the name of my listing to greenhouse or something, <laughs> and <laughs> people just ate it up. And, and then, and then I had a hundred reviews on top of all that, and suddenly it was like it was just easy. And then you find certain patterns that work with your life. At first, I would just let people book wherever, but then I realized that like that was allowing like single day bookings. That was allowing like people to book on their schedule. You need to set it up for you. So I set it up so that you had to book a minimum of two days, and then. I think it was Thursdays and Mondays were always cleaning days that I blocked off. Like you could not book on those days. And that way I only ever had to clean the place twice a week because that's like another annoying thing is if you have single day stays or even just having a cleaning day on the wrong day, it's like a day where you've got too many things at work, too many, you've got some after work thing. And then you guys still got to come home and clean Airbnb. For me, I had to set up a schedule so that I just knew every Monday and every Thursday I was cleaning the Airbnb. The other three days, people would book two to three days, but I knew that I could clear like a certain amount in that time, regardless.
1: You learn how to book farther ahead. So that's perfect. So now because you have a multiple day requirement and you have a cleaning every 3 or 4 days, no one is going to book back to back. You're never going to be scrambling to get one group out cleaning to get another group in potentially yeah. that same afternoon, so now you're pacing it out. The customer doesn't know; they just see what's available to you. So, as a host, it's, it's important exactly. to balance, that, but,
0: right? Yeah, like I'm I'm only available to people that that have searched for things that are available within that time frame. So, yeah, one hundred percent. And then one other thing about timing is you learn really quick not to to have an early checkout time. Like, there's so many Airbnbs. I don't know if you've ever used Airbnb, but there's so many that checkout time's 10 or 11 a.m. And like e- even and I, I set mine, I think, at 11 a. and Even if you email me, I would always say the same shtick about, oh, like for me to clean and turn the place for, for the guests that's checking in later today, I really need you out by noon. But, at, but even though noon, that way you get your place back relatively early. You also don't ever have check-in before four because again, like something weird happens. Like you, you forget to do laundry. So you're cleaning things the last minute or like you, you've got to work from home and you can't leave your home office until 4 p.m. when the day's over or 5 p.m. And so you need to make sure your guest doesn't get there until then. As you go, the longer you do it, set it up literally to like cor- correlate with the schedule of your life. My way was specific for... Living in a house that I was renting out where a lot of people, like they just have a side house or they don't necessarily live in the space and move in and out of it as much as I was.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So you are doing your own cleaning then, because I think with Airbnb, you get a cleaning fee, which you could potentially hire someone to do. The whole idea is you get
0: like your per night reservation amount. Of money, but then you can tack on a cleaning fee on top of that. I'm pretty sure mine was like generally fifty to a hundred dollars. I, th- I think it was a static fee. Like you, you had to adjust it like yourself constantly. It's not like you could say for these reservations it's a hundred dollar cleaning fee for these reservations it's fifty. You got to pick one fee. I think they might have had a thing where maybe the other part of the cleaning fee is that for for some Airbnbs. Some people will provide not pillow service, but they'll come and clean the place that you're staying at periodically, especially if you're staying there for, let's say, a month. They'll pay for someone to come or they will personally come and clean the place three times. And so I think that in those instances, for every subsequent time that it's clean, you might get an additional cleaning fee. But I again, it, it's been so long that I'm guessing for some somebody-
1: reason. Right. No, and it sounds like you were doing the cleaning, but sometimes you would have five maybe college-age people coming for a weekend to party and see some concerts and things like that. Was that a lot of work then? Were you ever surprised? And how about damage and wear and tear on a place that you own and love and cherish? That's the number one question that I
0: get from everybody. It's like, was your place messed up? Was anything stolen? And so I can't remember the exact number, but I always want to say that I think my total stay is around 333. I don't know why I think that, but I know it was somewhere above 300. And first, let me say, every single time people were so considerate, like people generally cleaned up after themselves. I was Hmm. always surprised at actually how well most people took care of my stuff, my my place. There was definitely the occasional group of people that would leave like a pizza box and the pizza box crumbs just like out and open there there was people that like would leave really, dirty really dirty dishes. but I don't think I even explicitly told people they had to clean them, nor would I really expect them to. I had a dishwasher, so it didn't really matter to me. but but I think part of the reason that was that even though I mentioned the four to five, I really did have a strict limit of two, two people. Like I would really only up that limit of two people for a la of a weekend where I knew I could really gouge <laughs> my place for as much as possible. Like I really had a strict limit for two. But so the first thing I'll say is that really everyone was very clean in general. The second thing I'll say is that, There was one incident and it was like probably not their fault, but it was probably a mix of like ignorance or just not knowing and an old window. So I I have older windows where at the top of you can push them up and down, but you can also pull them out so that you can clean the outside of the window from the inside of the building. And I just don't think that they had ever seen windows like that. I was a younger couple. And they like sent me a bunch of messages like complaining they couldn't figure out how to open the window. And I was like, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. And, but Because I was like, well, you just push up. But anyways, later that night, I get just a message from Airbnb saying that the reservation had been canceled. And this was like in the middle of the night, too, probably like 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And I messaged the people that had been staying there that had messaged me about not knowing how to open it or close the window. And they had gone out for the night. And when they came home, the window had blown completely into the apartment and shattered on on the ground. And so basically what I'm like almost 90% sure happened is that when they couldn't figure out how to open or close the window, they like pressed the two little latches at the top of the window that, that, that keep it from swinging back. And I'm pretty sure it was in Chicago and I'm pretty sure it was a really windy night. And I think it just blew the whole window in. To this day, I really don't think that the guests... Intentionally, they wouldn't really have any reason to. They were messaging me at three in the morning, being like, Hey, we got to find a hotel. Your window crashed in on us. And so I'm pretty sure it really was like legit. But that was the only damage that I had the entire time. I had to fight with Airbnb a little bit, but I'm pretty sure they paid, if not all of the repair for the window, like most of it. I live luckily a block from a window repair shop, so it was like only 300 bucks to fix. I'm pretty sure that they paid for the whole thing. But so, so to answer your question, no, like it, there really was never any damage. But I really it was rare that I had more than two people. Before. So no, I've heard a lot of horror stories because like I have some friends at Airbnb and some of them have had damage that like Airbnb did not pay for. I know some people require a deposit, but you can really only require a deposit if you have a nice place that relatively high earners are renting out because the clientele that i was working with they were really low budget travelers generally and one of the other reasons that i appealed to low budget travelers is because i was next to a major train line in chicago but at the same time i had free walkable street parking like easy to find walkable street parking so there'd be people from the midwest looking for a cheap vacation they could drive to my place park their car there for free but then take public transportation to get around chicago all weekend
1: Gotcha. And free parking in Chicago is a huge benefit, isn't it?
0: Depending on where you live, yes. Like Where I live, you can get relatively cheap or free parking relatively easy. But if you walk three blocks east of where I live, I'm not kidding, it is impossible to find a parking spot. The people that live over there, even though it's only three blocks away, they all pay minimum $150 a month for a spot. Yeah, A lot of Chicago can be permit parking that does not allow you to park overnight without a permit. You can't get one unless you're someone that lives there and they give you like temporary permits and blah, 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 blah. Yeah.
1: Great point. All right. So I want to back up on something you said that I have not been able to get my head around yet. You installed a door in your place. Oh, And I need you to tell me, Warren, because I am dying to try to figure this out. I have so many questions about it. What? is your place like where you can install a door how do people get in and out to the outside of the apartment paint the picture for me here because i am just so curious yeah so this all came about because I was still traveling for work, but I was only
0: traveling maybe 25 to 50% for work. And so I was just in Chicago much more. I was single now, so I couldn't stay with, with a partner who was just bumming to use their place to make money off of mine. And so I, I love New York, been in New York a bunch. I have a cousin in New York who had a one-bedroom apartment, but it was like still three grand. And so him and a friend converted this one bedroom apartment in New York into two bedrooms. And it was basically like my cousin would sleep in the pantry of the kitchen and the kitchen was a common space with mm. his bedroom. And then the other roommate had the front of the apartment which was a bedroom slash living room. <laughs> and, and then like the, and the, the bathroom was in the middle and a hallway connected it all. And so I was like, I bet I could do this because I have a, an incomplete bath in the back and a full bath in the front. And then there's a hallway that connects. So there's two bedrooms. By the back bedroom, there's a kitchen, and that, that that's the smaller bedroom, and that's the half bath. And then at the front, there is a living room, another bedroom, and the full bath. And so I just called my dad one day, and I said, hey, I bought a door. Do you want to help me put it in? And uh, yeah, so it was a pretty sloppy door install. Like, I'm pretty sure we just put like a couple two by fours, like in, in between the door frame and like the hallway, just screwed the suckers in. I'm pretty sure I might have even just spackled like some of the spaces shut. Like, it was awful. And then we, we put a paint of coat over that, put a really shabby frame around like a, o- over the patchwork. I don't know, it was, it was really bad, but, but we made it work. And yeah, so the front half that I was Airbnb-ing that was just a living room a bedroom and a bath, like a, f- a full bathroom. And so the whole like, reasoning was like, when people go to hotels, they don't have kitchens. They don't need a kitchen when they come to my Airbnb. Come on. And I put like a little table out there, a coffee maker. Like I tried to make it as much like a, a little hotel room as possible. I had like, a little hot water boiler. I just, I just had the whole works. And then the back half of the apartment was just my little apartment. When I wanted to shower, I had to go to the gym, but I live two blocks from my gym. So that was always easy for me to do. And then that way I would have the kitchen too. And at this time, like this was pre-pandemic, so I was still commuting to work. So I, I never really knew that they were there during the day because I was gone. And then I've, just, I've never been a homebody. So I generally wouldn't get home until like it was sleeping time anyway. So it worked perfect. And I made crazy money like that. The one thing I'll say is I didn't make as much money as I would have for renting the entire place. Like I had to dumb down my prices just a little bit. But I was making full money for converting this small space and just renting out a bathroom, a bedroom, and a living room. So
1: I love it. And you can only use one bedroom at a time anyway. So you've got this extra space and why not yeah. have it work for you. And I'm I'm not kidding. I think I paid off like a huge
0: credit card. I think I paid off one of my student loans. Like it was just it was very easy.
1: On a related note, I feel like a lot of people overbuy on houses without any plan to use them. I love the fact that you're using it. Can you explain to me is the door to the apartment then inside that other door? So I'm guessing if you come in from the outside, you're going to come into their space before you go through your private door to your space. Is that no, how it so, works?
0: I no. Mean, so my, my apartment has a back entrance
1: through the alley with a, not
0: a fire escape, but like you call it like a fire escape porch in Chicago. And then there's the front door at the front of the apartment. So they would come in through the actual front entrance. To them, it looked like going into apartment for regular, I had self check-in. So they just had one of the little key lock boxes at my gate. They would open the lock box, go into my gate, go in the front entrance, and then they'd walk in the front door. And then right when they walk in, to their left is the bathroom, to their right is the living room. And then there's a bedroom too, but the back wall of my living room, just normally the far end of it was a hallway, but where the hallway started, we just put the door. And so the door was flush with the back wall of the living room and you could tell that it had been converted and it was very cheesy too because for fire law i actually had a like a laminated sheet i I borrowed my boss's laminator (laughs) and and, and i think it said like fire exit and then it had a code on it because the, the door lock it was like an electric alarm knob. I bought some knob off Amazon where they could use a code to open this door, but if they did, it would set, set off an alarm. The alarm was gotcha. just like, like an annoying speaker on, on the doorknob going, Wow, wah. wah. So it didn't send me a text alert. It didn't actually do anything other than make an annoying noise, but it was a way that, I could provide a fire exit for them while like also providing like a little level of security. I, like, I don't have anything in my apartment worth stealing. They wouldn't really ever have any reason to come into my side of the apartment. I tended to lock my bedroom door. like Even though my bedroom door was behind that locked door, I tended to lock my bedroom door as well just in case they ever did. But while I was home, I never had anyone go through the door. I don't think people really had any reason to. like Even at that point, for people to rent my place when it was set up like this, I had to put a lot of disclaimers all over my Airbnb profile because I didn't want people to get there and be like, where's the kitchen? I don't remember if you could change caps and bolding, but I'm I'm pretty sure I tried to put it in whatever section made it most obvious. Like at the very top of my profile, you can force user agreements in, in Airbnb. So if you have something specific, like a custom thing that you want people to literally have to press, I accept to this, you could do it. I think I had three things. One of them was it is third floor. There is no elevator. You will have to use old stairs. This is not for you if you're over, like if you have problems getting upstairs or you're older or whatever. This is a converted two bedroom space. It does not have a kitchen. And I don't remember what the last one, but so that I had to explicitly tell people as much as possible.
1: The beauty of that alarm door knob lock thingamajig is that I feel like people like me would just punch the code out of curiosity to see what's behind this magic door. But if there's an alarm and I know that someone is going to come walking down because they are alerted that this wah-wah alarm is going off, then it'll stop me from doing it. It's really... Forcing me to use it only in emergency and not just let me satisfy my curiosity. It's kind of like when you get a hotel room that's one of those connected hotel rooms. I feel like everyone opens their door just to look. Just to see. That one's closed. All right. Close back up. And then you mentioned here that you were doing Airbnb, but now you transitioned to a roommate. Can you explain the thinking behind that and the rationale? Yes.
0: So the big reason was because of COVID. Like Airbnb was a little bit Mm. OOC for COVID. And. And then since then, I've stuck with a roommate for stability because, oh, Pete, cleaning twice a week is not fun. And don't get me wrong. Mm. If you have a place that earns enough money, you can use the Airbnb to fund like its own cleaning and you can just hire a service. That's amazing. If you can do that, I say go with that because people downtown, they do that. Because you know, people will pay $1,000 a night for some of these like, amazing 30th floor condos, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was a lot of work cleaning.
1: It, and is that because cleaning is basically the same cost, whether it's super nice or whether it's a low rent place? No, like for, for me, cleaning was really easy. I even even had like a
0: a laundry process. There was always one dirty set and one clean set. And that way, it was never like I had to sit and wait for laundry to be done. I would just put on the clean set, and then I would start washing the dirty set. And gotcha. um, so. The trade off between Airbnb is that a roommate, you're you have to be with like they they always have entitlement to the space. Whereas Airbnb you can say, This weekend I'm not gonna rent it out. I have friends visiting one. I wanna want just use my place for me. A roommate doesn't really allow for that. But a roommate, you don't have to work for it at all. You don't have to think about it. At Airbnb, there's just a lot of upkeep. I had to keep on my reviews constantly. If someone like put a, a crummy review, you've got a quick, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Can I give you like this refund? Or can I offer you to come stay with me for free next time? Or what, what can I do for you mm. to change that review? Or would you be willing to take down that review? Or like, there's just, there was always investment. Like My air conditioner broke, so I had to buy two window units because I wasn't going to be able to get an HVAC man out in time to be there for this $2,000 reservation. I can't give that up or just like minor maintenance things. This one couple stayed with me and they ripped the sheets, not in a seditious way, just the sheets need to be replaced. And so it was work, whereas a roommate, I don't really have to think about them very much, but I will say there's one last final step to my journey that I'm working towards. And that is, I'm trying to move out of my place Ooh. for a little bit and rent my entire place out. So the mate that I have now, he's actually going to be taking over the entire lease. He's going to have, have a friend move in with him. Then I'm going to rent out the entire place. I'm going to be staying with family for about three months. And that'll give me just enough money to save up and hopefully now buy a new place so that I can just turn the place that I'm living right now into just passive income, as they call it. And and the whole thinking and reasoning behind this is that because of the housing squeeze right now, I can rent this place now for more than ever. Now I can turn a profit just renting this place out, like enough of a profit that I think I could sustain minor repairs. Like I'll be able to make enough profit on it that I can a savings account to cover some appliances that need to be replaced in the near future, that there's some bigger expenses like HVAC that I'm just going to have to like fund myself. Like I'll have to make that investment. Like I don't think the property is self-sustaining enough to pay for an HVAC change yet. But for the other minor repairs, I'm confident, at least for now, that I'll be able to, to just turn this into passive income.
1: Gotcha, yes. That's my final um, step. Using real estate and buying it at the right time and letting the market continue to rise. That sounds awesome. One question I wanted to ask you was... Have you ever stayed and then interacted with an Airbnb guest? I know some people will rent out a room where it can't be separated. Have you ever had that situation?
0: Yes. So that was actually one thing I was going to bring up earlier. You would asked me about if I'd ever had any negative experiences in terms of damage, but I wanted to touch on one negative and a couple weird experiences I had in terms of interactions. And it's when I was renting out just a room, and it's when I was like staying here frequently while the guests were staying here. It's when I just started out. I really didn't have enough reviews to get customers that I wanted. I had so few reviews that I really was stuck going, which is... Just- <laughs> low paying customers that wanted to share a room. I had one really weird experience. He was an older gentleman. And even though I had messaged him and, and told him, I'm not going to be home when you're there. Here's the check-in instructions. Enjoy your stay. When I arrived, he was just upset with me that I hadn't been polite enough to greet him when he arrived. And I was like, I let you know that I wasn't going to be there. And he's like, I know, but that's very rude. And so that that was odd. And that made me feel uncomfortable. I had another like gentleman who is just clearly a heavy smoker. And he was such a heavy smoker that even though he didn't smoke in the room it took like a while for his smell to dissipate i had a couple guests i think it was their first time on airbnb and they didn't realize that it was a shared space. And so they were alarmed when I would come home. <laughs> They'd be like, what are you doing here? And I'd be like, here's your reservation and I live here. But then I've also had like really great experiences. Like I, one guest, she was visiting from I think Vietnam and made the best homemade spring roll. I've never had a, home, a homemade spring roll besides that, but it was the best homemade spring roll I've ever had in my entire life. And I also met occasional interesting people. Like again, cause it was people that were traveling on a budget. I tended to get a decent amount of students and specifically like students who were in Chicago, auditioning for whether it was like an instrument or voice or theater. But i met a lot of really interesting people who were here either interviewing for a college or for a professional position. So like I met several yeah. professional musicians, several aspiring professional musicians. I, sometimes just like timing was right where someone would just be like, oh, hey, do you want a beer? And I'd be like, Actually, sure. And you just start talking. And even though this person is from the other side of the country and completely different than you, you'd find some commonality. But I would say even just having the few comfortable interactions that like those few times were enough that I was just like, I don't really want to share my space.
1: That totally makes sense. I've always kind of wondered about that, but I think at some level too, you just want to have your own decompression time, your own personal time. And so that can be a lot, especially if you have a lot of people through, and it sounds like you did share spaces, with a lot of people. This has been awesome. I love the idea here of using what you've got. I love the idea of here that you are pursuing, becoming a real landlord with multiple properties here, income producing properties. I think that can be a great way to get on to the financial freedom track in a lot of ways, because that's a very common way for people that have that. See, Pete, I
0: think I messed up. I should have found some way to borrow some money so that I could have bought a property during COVID because I waited too long and now interest rates are too high. Property values are too high. I've lived here too long and it's too small for me. Now I want something a little nicer, different location. So I don't know, Pete, I'm hoping that maybe interest rates will come down a little bit. The housing market
1: will cool off a little bit and the interest rate changes may actually thin out the buyer market a little bit and we might see some equalization there. And I will say for anyone that's listening to this, thinking about Airbnb, thinking about passive income, thinking about other ways to leverage their assets, as you mentioned here, I think it might be worthwhile to spend some time if you're thinking about buying some new assets to reach out to your local credit union. And BCU is one of the foremost credit unions in the space here.
0: And I financed my mortgage through bcu.org. I'll give a plug about two of their programs. I went through their home advantage program. And that's where they provided me with a list of real estate agents to work with. As long as I used one of the people on that list, I got, maybe it was a grand or maybe all of my closing costs taken off. Like as a rebate, I want to say it was like between one and $3,000 that I got just put right back towards me at, at closing. They gave me a great realtor I found a house within two days of looking. The person that I bought it from, they were in a time crunch. They needed me to close. In under 45 days, I asked BCU. BCU said, yes, we got it done smoothly. There was a couple hiccups. BCU helped me figure them all out. And for first-time homebuyers, I don't qualify for this anymore. We do have another program. You can get a mortgage with as little as 3% down and still avoid PMI. So take a look at it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Almost too good to be true, but I can tell you it is not. PCU not only just a great product, but backed up by awesome people who really care and will go the extra mile with you. So we definitely recommend checking them out. So
0: Smart Buyer, that's what it's called. The Smart Buyer cream put his little, 3% down, still avoid PMI, but it is an arm. I will say that. And gotcha. just will rate mortgage. So any closing thoughts, Warren? The closing thoughts would just be that Airbnb made it, way easier to make money than I ever expected. I really did buy a house knowing that I couldn't afford it. I wanna say I only made like 40 grand or something. I didn't have enough. And I thought that Airbnb would work and it really was just, a Such a great, easy way to make money. I'm a big fan of like the gig economy. I I will say Chicago's already made it a little bit harder to Airbnb. They've added a hundred dollar fee, which is fine, but they're strapping it down. But either way, you can do it. It's a great way to make money. And depending on your situation, just consider it. Because I really think even people in the suburbs, if you live by some kind of an event space or something, I still think that you could make like a decent amount of money. You'd be surprised. And one last thing I'll say is that there's this rule that my accountant calls like the master's rule, and if You rent your place out for nine days or less. It is not counted as taxable income. There's some kind of a tax benefit for that.
1: So let's say someone's just going on their annual summer vacation. They live in a place where they could potentially rent out their place, stay under the nine days and provide some income. Maybe trade your place for the income necessary to pay for that vacation. I think What a great opportunity, especially if you don't have to worry about the impact to your taxes. That being said, Warren and I are both saying that you should seek the advice of a tax professional to give you guidance on your taxes, of course. But I think this is really great. And Warren, I think you and I are of like minds in many ways. I think generally in the personal finance space, there is this idea that to continue to give yourself breathing room on cash flow it's really an expense review issue that you should look at cutting your expenses that you should look at reducing your financial footprint and to some extent i think a lot of people could benefit from that but you cannot cut your way to zero spend there is just a requirement that you are going to incur costs to live clothing food shelter even the basics and i think in the world we live in and if you look at food housing uh, shelter things are expensive especially if you live in a high cost area like the downtown chicago area or any of those types of places even places that i would have considered more rural like western michigan has really exploded wisconsin and many of these places so i love at least the thought of adding income to your personal financial equation because it can be easier to add another dollar of income than it can be to cut A dollar of expenses sometimes especially when you've already cut to the bone and if you look at i think creatively some of the assets that you have some of the resources that you already have even if it's just trading your time for labor driving an uber or doing instacart shopping or whatever it is babysitting for an evening can bring in 50 60 70 bucks so i think once we start just thinking that hey we can pull levers on both sides of the equation here, it really gives some people an opportunity to change their financial picture. And you've done it here. When I bought this place,
0: I remember my family just saying, this is a great starter home, but in five years, you should make a goal to sell this and buy a better one. (laughs) That has changed. Because like, I don't think that was really like a boomer mindset to own property. Whereas I feel like every TikTok I've ever seen about if millennials and money is like passive income. Buy some real estate, make some money off of it. So I thought that I was probably just going to sell this place and buy a different condo. But now I'd rather have someone else just pay this rent and not sell it because, yeah, why not? It's passive income. I, actually, Pete, I think you told me you should always have a side hustle. And I downloaded Tasker. I'm going to try Task because I'm a pretty handy guy and I've assembled a lot of IKEA furniture. I guess people just really hate assembling Ikea. And so Ikea has partnered with them to make it easier to get your furniture assembled.
1: I love it, Warren. Yes, I am a huge side hustler. I've side hustled pretty much all my life. I have probably done every flavor of side hustle. The other thing I might throw out there is check out Thumbtack, listing yourself up there too, because I actually did hire someone to assemble furniture for me on Thumbtack and it wasn't cheap. But when you think about how much time it takes people One, just because they don't know what they're doing Two, oftentimes you find you don't have the right tool that a task like that, that might take someone four or five hours really because they've never done it before could be done in possibly an hour. So I think there are more people than we think that are willing to do that, especially people pressed for time. And especially if you have the skills to do it you can knock them out very quickly. So I am a huge fan of that and whether it's real estate or trading time for money, I think people can find some personal satisfaction in doing some of these things, controlling your own destiny. And so it's just something to think about. I'm not saying that anyone should get into it, but with the advice that you've given here, maybe people can reach out to their friends or family, people that are doing it, get some really practical advice for their areas. I think it could be a really good opportunity. So I want to thank you for coming on today with me on this episode where we talk about the practical ways to pursue Airbnb and what it might be able to do for you. And my co-host, Warren, I appreciate the time and the advice and suggestions and guidance. Thanks, Peter. It's great talking today. Yeah. And thank you again for joining us on another episode of Life Money You, where we talk a lot about life, a little about money, and hopefully you will find some ideas to help yourself out. So we will see you next time.